Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, fun seekers, good morning. Uh, very Well, it's almost afternoon here in Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, about high noon, central time, and uh, good to have you here. We're going to have fun this morning. You meet a lady that uh, knows a lot about currency, a lot about money, gold. Uh, what can tell you? A good place you can get some uh, uh, bullion, gold and silver. You know the bullion, bullion things? Put in your underwear drawer. She's got a great company. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation tomorrow with Tom Luongo. Tom's on about once a month, and he has the gold, goats, and guns. And he's a pretty cool guy that ties in geopolitics and uh, I suspect uh, 2022, we're going to be doing more and more shows on uh, how money, how it works. And of course, Fred Dashevsky with The Real World of Money, the first uh, Wednesday of the month. But uh, now that we know that this whole corona thing is just made up, well, we've known that for a couple of years. But uh, so we're going to have to move on to figure out what these people are up to. <laughs> I don't know what they're up to, but it sure ain't what you see on the news. So let's say hi to to Lynette Zhang, and she's an interesting lady. Good morning, Lizette. How are you, Lynette? Sorry, I was close. You're close enough. I'll answer to Lizette, yeah. but it is Lynette. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, it's nice, very nice to be nice here. Nice to have you here. Lynette is a chief market analyst for ITM Trading, She's been there since 2002. She's been in the markets looking at things for a long time as a stockbroker. She studied world currencies since 1987. I remember that year I was in San Francisco yeah. when the whole market just <laughs> fell down and went boom. I don't know what was going on with that. Uh, I remember that day we, we were walking by and there were, you know how they used to have the newspapers in the glass, Lynette? And it was this yes, huge, huge headline about this stock. How far did it drop then? Was it 20-something percent? Or? 25 percent. Yeah, it was the best day. I was only a stockbroker about a year <laughs> at that point. And I had been really, I didn't understand how to read the technical language of the market. It was the best day I could have ever been a stockbroker. Yeah. And I remember going out for lunch that morning because uh, I always like to, I get up early, so I go to lunch early. And... When I came back, it was just a normal day. But then when I came back, I mean, it was all Hades had broken loose. I mean, it was crazy in the office. The phones were ringing off the, t the hook. The stockbrokers were literally under their desks. They would <laughs> not take any calls. For me, I, since I had been working with treasuries, since I figured they could, until I understood this better i figured i'll just work in treasuries debt markets right. because they can actually get the money to pay you so i figured i couldn't really burn anybody that way and always recommended physical gold and physical silver completely outside of the system mm -hmm. so i didn't have anybody calling me up freaked out but i did have a client in crockett texas who owned a small savings and loan there and all i had been doing for him was uh, buying treasuries and then doing calls against the treasuries. So on that day, none of his wildcatters and friends that were really very aggressive in the markets, uh, they couldn't get a hold of their brokers, but they could get a hold of me. And so, I mean, it was the most interesting day because frankly, when everything implodes or when, it, when the markets do implode, everything goes along with it, regardless of how safe 
you might think that it is. Yes. But then afterwards, the volatility, and it was those wonderful men that really taught me how to read the language of the market. So it wasn't sure. Great story. <laughs> so um, we both remember that day. I remember quite well. So during those times, before we really dig into some other things, as a uh -huh. broker, do people, um, similar when gold is going down or up, do they buy and sell? And people calling stockbrokers saying, get me out, or if they're smart, maybe uh -huh. let's buy some because it's going down? Pretty much all of the above? Well, you know, it, it depends on the class of investor, uh -huh. right? If you are a trader, then yes, all you're looking for is a move in the market, up or down. But if you are really an investor and if you understand it, and even though that seems like so long ago, what we're really experiencing then was a transition of our monetary system onto the global stage. I remember so much talk then of globalization. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I don't know if that's going to be so great for the jobs here in the U.S. And that turned out to be true because if they could go get labor cheaper elsewhere, it was really about the corporations, right? It was always about the corporations and then, you know, the shifting of of power of responsibility because it was also during that period of time i mean prior to the 70s um you know the it was a defined benefit pension plans and they were trying to get workers they wanted workers to mm -hmm. stay forever so they gave them these benefits to entice that but once we shifted, it was in the 70s when the IRA was born. And then after that, the 401k was born. And those are defined contributions. Who knows what the benefit's going to be? But it shifted the onus of retirement from the corporate plate onto the individual, the individual. plate. Yeah. Exactly. And like the individuals have any clue about the workings of wall street yes ma'am and then how did the 70 was it 71 when president nixon took the gold dollar off the gold standard what what mm -hmm. did how did that affect investors like our listeners oh. how, how did that affect them that they didn't really understand because who knew right oh what they did was they handed over the whole ability to control inflation to central banks. Prior to that, mm. it was a combination. You know, 1913 is when they put, they legalized the Federal Reserve. And you can see a loss of purchasing power between 1913 and 1971. Right. You know, it, 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 it was obvious. Uh, we lost quite a bit. But there were still some level of control because it still had to go through Congress and the government. In 1971, when Nixon finalized taking us off the gold standard, then what he really did that people don't realize is that he handed over full control to private banks to regulate inflation. And that, that's really the key job of the central banks. So when the Fed says they're fight, or any central banks say they're fighting inflation, well, they create that inflation. And the big problem is, and while, why we are at the absolute end of this current experiment is because officially, and in reality, there is virtually no purchasing power left 
in the currency. So if you think about it, back in 1971, when we were still on the gold standard, uh-huh. at least a degree, yeah. um, a family of four, the average worker made about 9,500 bucks a, a month. And the av- and you know, family of four could live with one wage earner. Now, when you look at the stimulus checks, they went out to everybody earning less than 150,000 a year. So why? Right. And it takes two wage earners and you're still living paycheck to paycheck. The average wage is in the 50. I think it's somewhere around 54,000 a year. But a family of four would find it very, very challenging to live on 54,000 a year. So is it that this mug or the food or any of the housing or anything else that you buy is that it's worth that much more? Or is it that it, the dollar, in terms of purchasing power, is worth that much yes, less? Yes, ma'am. And that is totally tied, in, if I believe, tell me if I'm correct, with the uh, expansion of the money supply. That's where the yeah. that's where the rubber meets the road, right, Lynette? I mean, that's it. Yeah. You mean like the Fed doing or any of the central banks doing that? <laughs> I yeah, like your little absolutely. machine. It's good. I want one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can get one. I could. Yeah, I want one. Um, but, yeah, explain but to really, people yes, what, what I just said, because it's kind of geeky, but it really is true. I mean, people think, well, the guy who's selling the milk raised the prices, or the guy that meat, or the, the oil, but it's really the expansion of the money supply, more dollars chasing the same amount of stuff, right? Pretty much? said it perfectly. Yeah. You said it perfectly. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, that benefits, there's a hidden thing when they set this whole system up. They, they knew a lot of things, but the, it's evil genius. They knew two key things. They knew, number one, people marry the legal money of the state. So that, you know, the dollar can never go away. And I'm going to come back to that okay. in a minute. Number two, what they knew is that people do not understand inflation. So going back to that now, inflation causes what is termed nominal confusion. So a $20 bill 20 years ago is exactly the same as a $20 bill today. It looks the same, but it spends a whole lot less. So when they created this system, basically the government wanted to be able to tax you without going through legislation so you didn't know it. So. Inflation was built into the very system. Additionally, corporations wanted the masses to work for less money. But hey, if you're used to getting 10 bucks, are you going to accept five? No. But if those 10 bucks spend like five, all that extra inflationary money can go to the top. And it's the entire reason why we see the wealth and income inequality gap. And that was all by design. So when they talk about fighting this, it is garbage. It is absolute trash, garbage, not true. They just want to regulate the speed of it so that you volunteer your labor and your wealth. Yeah. Without getting too in the, in the, in the weeds here, but two things. You talked about the banks. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell folks how the private banks are doing this and not the Fed, which is not federal. I mean, the Fed board right. is, but not the, but not the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And most people, 
I suspect if you went out and did a little survey, that probably nine out of ten people would say that the Federal Reserve Bank is federal. Like, but it's no more federal right. than I Federal mean, Express, right? Yeah, that's called perception management. If they can perceive how you how you think of things, then they can manage the choices that you make. Right. And really, banks are the ones, you're absolutely right, banks are the ones that through lending create new money in the system, right? And the system is based upon debt. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens coming up. Honestly, I'm, really? I'm excited. This, to me, is a very pivotal year, wow. 2022. Mm. Well, because we have a lot of things that are happening in 2023 with um, interest rate benchmarks and things. So this is this is this setup, and I can say it on your show. I can't say this on my show, but I will say this on your show. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm already censored every, everywhere anyway, Elena. It doesn't matter, you know. Go ahead. That's what I figured. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I figured I could do it. But, you know, I did a study on, uh, and it's public It's public uh, knowledge, so you anybody can go in and look at the, at the reports that they wrote in the Wuhan lab. Oh. And they developed this superbug. And they knew, I mean, beautiful charts and graphs and flow charts showing how, to, how it would go from one, from an animal to a human. And... The reality is, is the timing could not have been better because the system was already imploding. And 2019, it made it obvious in September with the repo market. And most people wouldn't know it because that's when the Fed really papered over. But the money markets that we were led to believe are as safe as savings accounts, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they were, they froze. And because of the banks refused to lend. And so then the Fed came in and that's when really the huge bout of QE began. But the commercial banks, we, we were taught that you make a deposit and then the banks loan those deposits out. But that's not really true. No. You take out a loan <laughs> and the banks create that money from thin air. And so the tool that the central bank has to regulate the rate and speed of inflation are interest rates, which have been anchored near zero or below since the financial crisis in 2008. And I have said, I said it then, I say it today, I'll say it forever. The system actually died in 2008. And so all the, the printing that they've done, which look at the stock markets. I mean, even That's through where it is, right? all of the lockdowns and all of this and corporate profits are at the highest level ever. And it's not just because of inflation. They're lamenting that they have to pay the workers more or that the costs of, of the input goods cost more. But their profit margins are at the highest level that they've ever been. And you can find all of this data on the Federal Reserve Education Department website, the FRED, F-R-E-D. So put in there, FRED, search it, FRED, purchasing power of the consumer dollar. Put in there, FRED, you know, bank profits or corporate profits. And these beautiful charts and graphs come out, up, which 
I'm not going to say they're 100% accurate, but they're probably more accurate. They're definitely more accurate than the blah, blah, blah rhetoric that they spit out when they're on TV. Sure, sure. And and don't you find it fascinating that they... Remember, I remember 10, 15 years ago, we'd have a pretty good idea of what this money supply was. But now, just what is it? Six months ago, they, they... they they stopped stopped doing the M one and they stopped doing the M two and and uh, uh, they they stopped doing the M three, which is the total money supply. <laughs> yeah, total money back supply. Two thousand and six. Yeah. They, yeah, they they did away with that. We don't need to really know that. No need to know that. What do you, <laughs> if you want a game show, Lynette saying, and you had to guess the money supply, and the host knew the answer, okay, and you could win a new car. What would you guess? Well. Here's okay. This is the this is the way that I would do it. Okay. Because you know there's there's counterfeit money, which are those dollar bills that you have in your bank account or your wallet, and then there's good money, and that's really the gazillion dollar question. But it's actually pretty easy to know what is the true value of say an ounce of gold, right? Here, that's that's an ounce of gold. Right. What's its true value? Because Wall Street wants you to believe it's somewhere around 1800 bucks an ounce. Yeah. But that's pretty darn close to the cost of mining and refining. And also people want to know, and you were talking about this earlier, when they manipulate the price, which is easy to do with all those paper contracts. But if you really want to know how much money is being printed, it's, you can figure it out based on how much debt has been created. You can look at a country to country, but we are incestuously interconnected. Hmm. So you look at it on a global basis. How much if debt? You, how much debt? In dollars. Right. In dollars, right? Right. It, but it, it doesn't matter whether it's in dollars or euros or yen. It's all debt. Because they, it, it's all debt. And when you calculate that out, the reality is, is one ounce of gold is worth somewhere north of fifty thousand dollars. Well, no way. Well, oh, 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 hold on a <laughs> second. Hold on a second. Oh, you mean if you took? Okay, I guess what you're saying is if you took all of the dollars divided by all of the above ground gold, right? It'd be fifty thousand. In ground two. In ground two. Add it. Add the in ground two. I suspect. I would. I would think it's about a hundred thousand. I think we we did the math. Oh, probably more. Yeah, we did the math years ago with uh, my former friend who's in heaven doing gold and silver. Uh, we, uh, three years ago, he left us, Andrew Goss, who I learned about the money system, you know, the real world of money. And we did the math, I think, 10 years ago. It was like 60,000. If you divide it, what we knew to be above, we just used above ground, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or you could use the 8,000 tons that the Treasury claims they have, and we don't even know if they do. But Why? Right? I mean, because exactly, we don't know. But the the Department of the Interior runs um, a report annually on the gold that's left in the ground. Yeah. So even being generous, and I would agree with you, it probably is closer to 100. It could be, you know, 100,000. It could be a trillion. I mean, it, it is not unrealistic to think that when the overnight reset occurs, that that's where you would see the an ounce of gold go in terms of dollars. But again, it's not gold going up. It's the dollar going down. And that will happen 
when all confidence in the system is lost because that's how they do that overnight revaluation. Do you, do you think, uh, I'm going to lead into a commercial, then we'll come back. Do you think that's going to happen? All confidence? I'm 100% certain. And it's because it's I a confidence game, right? It's, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. Stay right there, my dear. And uh, this is fun. Thanks for being here. Lizette's, uh, Lynette Zhang. I keep saying Lizette, but you know, it's a great name. Lynette Zhang is with us. Her company is uh, ITM. Let's see what it is. Yeah, ITM Trading. And they do billions of bullion. You get all kinds of things. I was looking on there today, even platinum. Yeah, platinum's like huge. I mean, they have silver bars and they have all kinds of stuff. And if you. You could put these in your underwear drawer and sleep better. Uh, a lot of uh, bullion coins and ITM trading, and she'll she'll tell you more about that as we move. I don't know if you uh, know that uh, Andreas Seed Oils is owned and operated by a fellow who was on the uh, German uh, uh, Olympic uh, team. And I don't know if you about these Germans, but they well, all countries. They want their guys to win, right? So what they did was they kind of shot him up full of steroids and drugs and God knows what, and he won a gold medal or two, uh, Andreas Wechter. But they also pretty much almost killed him. And so, <laughs> I hate it when that happened. So he was in a hospital, and a neighbor of his began bringing him fresh pressed flax oil. Now, flax is not our fave because it's, it's got a lot of uh, maybe, it's, well, I won't get into it now, but it's not the most beneficial oil that we believe that he makes but this is what got him out of the hospital and he said he was about to die and he would just drink this fresh pressed flax oil every day and i'm talking about andreas uh um yeah vector pretty interesting so he got all into this whole um idea of using fresh pressed pressed oils if i can say it but you know these germans you know they do uh, uh, BMWs and these cars, they, they're just totally into doing things the very best they can. So he created these machines that would press the oil with virtually no heat or virtually no pressure, which is unheard of. You can go out into a hippie food store and they say, oh, this is a cold-pressed this. Well, it's not. It's just a made-up thing. They don't, you know, Who knows how they make it? Most oils, God love them, are just toxic you know the only other good oils we recommend would be extra virgin olive oil and hopefully from italy because my last name is Timpone. i like to support my roots just kidding um and in in a can and, and keep it dark and cool and you'll be fine but otherwise all these oils are just very dangerous so uh, the long and the short of it is these are the most uh, amazing oils you're going to find anywhere and they have oils in the terms, uh, check out some of these pumpkin seed oil. Guys, if you have a prostate, look down there. See, you got one? Yeah, pumpkin seed oil is the best. Hemp seed oil, can't smoke it, but you can drink it. Um, um, <laughs> sunflower seed oil, uh, five seed oil blend, coriander seed oil, black cumin seed oil, duck, duck, go, black cumin seed oil. And I'll tell you what. Uh, they claim, you know, they on, on websites, they'll claim that that'll cure about anything. These are amazing oils. They do not have any uh, oxidation, which is the real Achilles heel of oils. Uh, they, it just is. They're just not good for you. They oxidize in your body after you take them. Uh, we don't recommend any oils except these from Andreas Seed Oils on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. 
I love running my own businesses and getting to work for myself, but it's not without stress. Each day I'm producing my TV show, recording for my podcast, managing my teams, rolling out new products, and of course I'm attending endless meetings. So at the end of the day, I'm looking for ways to de-stress and calm down. One of the ways I do that is by getting into my sauna where that heat helps to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which calms your body down. But I also supplement with Sir Thrival's CBD3. Now you've probably heard about the benefits of CBD, things like reducing inflammation, reducing anxiety, helping to get the body out of pain, and helping to calm the nervous system down. And I'm using it for all those benefits. But a lot of people have tried CBD and they think it's ineffective. And that's because they're using low quality products that they get at the convenience store, at the health food store, or at the smoke shop. CBD3 is different. It's made with three CBD extracts in one. Now the first is a scientifically validated and seriously studied CBD nutraceutical. It's nano-sized and it gets into your bloodstream almost immediately, giving you instant benefits. The second's also a heavily studied and scientifically validated nutraceutical. This one's liposomally delivered. It gets into your body's fat and it stays there longer, giving you up to 24 hours of those CBD benefits. The third is a full spectrum hemp extract that contains all the benefits of the hemp plant, all those polyphenols and terpenes that give us all those medicinal qualities. Sir Thrival CBD3 comes in two flavors, natural and peppermint, and it's available in a variety of strengths too. There's even a formula for pets, so if your dog or cat is getting older, has inflammation, arthritis, or is in pain, it's a great way to get them moving again too. If you've been let down by low quality CBD products or you're looking for a full strength formula, give Sir Thrival's CBD3 a try. Yeah, you can do that. Back in 19, uh, because it's good. Good product, they have colostrum, elk velvet antler, which is on sale, pine pollen, uh, the digestive bitters, just a great company. I've known Daniel and with his little beer there uh, for, gosh, over 12 years, we've been promoting his products. Elk Velvet Antler on sale. The promo code is on our front page. In 1986, wow, just before the 87 thing that Lynette and I were talking about, I'm, I came in contact with a fellow by the name of Richard Mayberry. Richard Mayberry is a, a hard metal dude, but he's also a, a real constitutionalist and a libertarian and he knows that governor governments are bonkers, and he's been writing about it for, oh gosh, I don't know, all this time. He has an amazing uh, 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 newsletter that we promote that I've been getting for, uh, well, for what, 30 years now? It's called Early Warning Report. He has a whole team, and if you're going to stay into, uh, you know, um, equities, and you want to be careful there, and we'll talk to Miss Lynette about that, equities and what the mar- what she thinks the market may do. You really be careful, but he studies companies. He's kind of like a in the Buffett way, and uh, he believes that he has some picks. Uh, this is just a little bit of what he does, uh, that if this thing really gets gets hammered, that it's going to sustain better than the rest of them, but you're going to have to be careful. Also, he has a whole uh, really cool... Um, chart up there about the velocity of money and how important that is, how much your dollar is moving around. That has a lot to do uh, with the uh, dollar buying less. He's a very interesting fellow, like I said, a constitutionalist, a libertarian, and somebody that you can learn more every month by getting his uh, newsletter. And we're going to go through some very challenging times, as our guest is telling us and other people. 
So we just can't get too much education and uh, help us to make the best decisions ever. You can go on our website, click on it, and you get a deal. It's a special offer for $179 for a whole year. You save $121. Click on it on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. On OneRadioNetwork.com. Just click on it, and then uh, you'll get the great, the great, great price that you deserve. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Miss Lynette Zhang, thanks for coming on the show. So you had alluded to the idea that this is, is it really going to be like the funnest year ever in finance and economics? Is it really going to (laughs) be? Is it? I can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't I turn on my microphone? That would be better. Sorry. That would probably be a good idea. I got a new system here that I'm just getting used to. Miss Lynette Zhang is with us. So um, thanks uh, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Do you, so, I mean, some people are, t- is this really going to be the craziest year ever and the most fun in the world of gold, silver, dollars, finance? Is it really? No, I don't think this I don't think this year is going to be the craziest year ever. Okay. What I'm saying is that this is a very transitional year because in 2023, there are a lot of things that happen. And, uh, that will you know, happen in 20, the, 2023. Sorry, you said happen. Oh, that, they're, that they are saying will happen, okay. whether or not they postpone it. Like uh, the interest rate benchmark, I think, is the greatest threat for most people and their assets and their wealth that, you know, I mean, we are, let's face it, we are facing a retirement plan crisis with most people are really dependent upon the fiat money system. So stocks and bonds, et cetera. And, you know, if they don't keep them propped up, then it becomes really obvious. But what's happening in 2023, which is why I say this is a pivotal year. And, you know, I feel like this may be the very last opportunity to get into the best position you can, certainly at these very uh, cheap prices, but it has nothing to do with the fiat money value of real money gold or even real money silver. Right. Um, and I, I do want to come back to talk to as you keep talking about bullion and, and I don't own any bullion. I don't know, even own a tenth of an ounce of bullion, but I do own a lot of gold. So we'll come back oh, to you're, that. Oh, you're into numismatics is your fave, right? In the collectibles. The collectibles. Yes, absolutely. I, I 100%. 100%. I understand. So, and we'll, we'll talk about why, and you okay. can ask me all sorts sure. of hard questions. Okay, let's do this Never benchmark thing, though. Help us to understand yes. this benchmark yes. thing that's going to happen in 2023 and why this is pivotal, because um, I don't understand it. Exactly. So in the 1980s, the 80s were a great decade. In the 1980s, they created the LIBOR, which is an interest rate benchmark that is simply a stated rate. So you have a handful of banks, like six banks, that come together and say, well, if I was going to loan you money, this is how much I would charge you. And if I was going to borrow money, this is how much um, I would be willing to pay. And then that established what the interest rate was. Okay. Now, that's significant because that means all mortgages, all car loans, all credit cards, all student loan debt, any debt is based upon this particular benchmark. But in 2012, it was leaked that 
I mean, shocker, including the Bank of England was in this. Oh. They were manipulating that benchmark. I'm, I'm shocked. Shocker. <laughs> I know. I'm sure everybody's listening is completely really shocked. shocked. I'm shocked. So then they, so now that everybody knew that it was being uh, manipulated, they had to create a new benchmark. And so a handful of global central banks, including the Fed and the Bank of England, the Bank of Switzerland, etc., created new benchmarks. You say, okay, well, there you go. So in this country, in the U.S., it's called the SOFR, S-O-F-R. Once you create that, though, now you have to create a market for it. And that has proved problematic. So originally, uh, it was all of those contracts. Uh, th this is a recent number: six hundred and ten notional, six hundred and ten trillion notional value contracts must be reset to this new benchmark. Wait a minute. Okay. And this notional contracts would this would be what they call what's the term for it? Um, um, derivatives. Derivatives, right? Six hundred and ten. Mm -hmm trillion people are betting just making bets right well they, they yes that. i bet yes, you exactly That's i bet what lynette, they are, i bet lynette that the you know the interest rate's going to be this i'll bet you a trillion or whatever so right what's you can gonna, even bet on the weather oh whatever you can bet on anything it, what, it doesn't anything. matter yeah so mm -hmm. in 2023 lynette's saying then what's going to happen really talk to us like we're a young child or a golden retriever so we can understand this okay Right. Well, this, this, okay, so all of those contracts, if you think back to what happened in 2008 with yes, all of the mortgages and the, the mortgage. people that went underwater, and then they had to restructure their mortgage, yes, that kind of thing okay. is going to happen. Oh. But whenever you hear the term notional or nominal, yeah. what you should immediately realize is you have no idea how much is really at risk. Because all that is, is what markets have agreed that these contracts would be worth, right? So in, in uh, 2021, this shift was supposed to take place. Oh. But in October, oh yeah, yeah, that was supposed to happen in 2021. Oh. They ran a test of 80 trillion in October and then went dead silent dead silent i could find absolutely nothing on the results of the test until about three weeks later when they postponed the lion's share of this transition to 2023 because it didn't work because they can't do it because the problem is no, number one sofer does not reflect uh risk the way the LIBOR reflects risk. So you can have the interest rates when there's a crisis, right? Well, what happens typically is interest rates spike up, but the SOFR doesn't. So it hides the risk. Trader, that's why, that's why they couldn't develop a good market in it, because much as they want to say that it's market-based, when you read the little fine print, they eliminate a lot of bonds. So it's not a market rate, and it doesn't reflect what's really happening in the market, and it's rather dangerous. But that means that your mortgage, my my mortgage, you know, Carl, all of these contracts, in addition to all of those derivatives, 
have to be changed to 2023. Now, wait a minute. I have a 30 rate fixed. They can't change that, can they? Let's see. The a mortgage document is about that thick. Okay. And when you sign that document, don't you go through it pretty quickly with whoever's saying, okay, no, this just I, means this. I read, I read yes, every word, can. just kidding. Right. So they could change a 30 rate fix just because they're bankers? They just because, well, no, not because they're bankers, <laughs> but because, because the central bank has control over that. Yeah. The, I don't think the banks really want to make this change, to be perfectly honest with you, because here's really the problem. The valuation of the banks are based upon the valuation of the contracts that are tied to LIBOR. When those contracts shift over to SOFR, the valuation of those contracts will shift. What's SOFR? What's SOFR? SOFR is the new interest rate benchmark that the Federal Reserve has come up with. For 2023? Uh, that, yes. I mean, they, it was originally for 2021, but they postponed it to 2023. And they couldn't do it in 2021, and I doubt they can really do it in 2023. Because the whole thing would just I think, implode, Lynette, on itself if they do this? I don't quite understand. Well, yes, I'm trying. Okay. Okay, I'm trying. Well, think about the stock market, okay. right? So that's, that is supposedly the valuation of banks in the stock market, right? And their valuation is based upon the assets that they hold. So your mortgage, my mortgage, student loans, et cetera. Right. right. It's on their books as an asset, right? I owe them X. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. So if this contract is valued at 100 bucks and it's tied to that interest rate. Yes, ma'am. And now they're going to change that contract over to this interest rate. Yes. The value of that contract will change it has to change it'll go up if they're going to raise the rate because they're not going to lower it will it go up do oh. you know that well because if i was a central banker I, I would raise it experiment. if i was going to cook the books wouldn't you raise it i mean why would you lower well, it? sure i mean we've we've certainly seen over the last 12 years that raising rates has been a primary focus of the central bank right and we're going to see that going into uh, 2022, when they they have to raise rates to support their credibility. Which they're talking but about the, already. The Paul was on TV this morning, right? He said maybe three to five times, you know, this year. Okay, I call it garbage. Yeah, of course. I call it garbage. <laughs> they just make it They up. have to do it. Well, they have to do it or they lose all credibility. But if they start to remove that punch bowl, what do you think is going to happen to all of the debt that has been grown? Because presumably back in 2008, they lowered the interest rates to zero yes. so that corporations could work off that debt, restructure it to lower rates, et cetera. Right. But they didn't do that. They raised the level of debt that they were holding because it cost the same amount to service the debt at zero percent as it did at 5%, so they could handle a lot more debt. It's why, one of the reasons why you see real estate prices as high as they are, because people don't look at the price of a house, they look at the mortgage payment. Right. Exactly, right? Right. right. Okay, so what I'm saying is, all of these contracts, whether they go up, whether they go down, they will change. They will change. Mm. Do I know what that's gonna look like? 
I have some crystal balls, but they don't really tell me a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Making oh, predictions is difficult when it involves the future, Miss Sang. What can you say? We're, making predictions is impossible when it involves any other person other than me. I can predict what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up and do the work, and I always do. But as soon as somebody else gets involved in it, Whoa. forget it. Predictions go out the window. Well, but, but, but let me just stop you for a second. So, so yeah. say the central, whoever are controlling the banks, and you can tell us who these they are, you know, they. Um, what if they lower my interest rate from, I don't know, I don't. I got a really low one now, and lower it, wouldn't I be happy, and wouldn't everybody be happier and have more money? And You're presuming that, well, you are happier because you can buy more when you do that on an individual level. Yes, ma'am. But we're talking about $610 trillion. Well, in contracts that are going to shift. So give me an idea. Say you and I market. say you and I had a, 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 a derivative, Lynette and Patrick, right? And we have okay. a billion dollar deal. We're, we're going to be betting on global warming is true or false. Whatever. Who knows? It's a derivative. Right. It's one of the 600, yeah, it 610 trillion. And right. they changed the interest rate that you and I agreed on. It's not an, it's not, no. it's not just the rate of interest, it's the entire benchmark. The benchmark. That is so different that I know. I'm sorry, I, I'm just say, not, and I understand this stuff and I'm just not getting it, so what are my listeners saying? Their probably head is exploding, so I'm trying they, to understand. They probably, and absolutely, <laughs> if you read enough central bank documentation, what you hear and what you read is that they make this stuff intentionally complicated so that nobody questions what they're doing. Right. But it's the entire system that, and 610 trillion notional, I mean, if you read their documents, nobody, not the Fed, not the, the BIS, not the FDIC, not anybody knows, nobody knows the true value at risk. But what we do know is that valuation, forget the interest rate for a minute, okay. just the value of that contract. Yes, ma'am. What we know is it will change. And that is troublesome because? Because the stock market valuation is kind of based on the valuation. A lot of the corporations that are part of the stock market, their valuation is based upon the assets that they hold or perceived assets. Right. It's right. hard for me to think of a derivative as an asset, but it is so, classified that way. So if you were going to predict the real market bomb oh good that you're yeah. questioning this. I love that. Uh, that's okay. Uh, oh, wait, thank you. My, my pleasure. Uh, so if, um, if you were had to predict because they – tied your hands behind your back uh, to predict that what this market was going to take a hit. Would it be more likely 2023 than 2022 because of this, what you've just... Like, yes, I think... Well, it's going to be really interesting to see <laughs> because if he starts raising the interest rates, a lot of this is short-term debt that rolls over. You've got a 30-year fix and there is a strategy, strategy to deal with that. Yes, but And you should talk about that. But um, a lot of this debt is short-term debt. And these corporations, which include banks, but they're also other corporations, non-financial corporations, have taken on so much debt that has to roll over into a rising interest rate environment. 
Say so that, I think he, say he that again. Five interest rate. Yeah. Say that okay. again. Do that um, one again. Okay. All of this short-term debt, like two years, has to roll over. One year, two year treasury. Yeah, one year, two year, six month, three month, whatever it is. Right. Short, but short-term debt, they have to. Okay, what what can you do with that? You either have to pay it off. You have to pay it off. You have to roll it over, right? Where you default on it. So you have all of this debt. Most corporations don't really pay off the debt with cash. They do stock buybacks for that, yeah, right? right? They So they roll this debt over. So they roll one debt contract into the next debt contract, right? Then they'll pay it off. So when they rate, when they roll that over and now they're paying higher interest rates, it takes more of their cash flow to service that debt. Yes, ma'am. I get that. Okay. We get that. Right. Okay. Right. That That's like the easy peasy that's part. That's the easy peasy but part. <laughs> that's the easy peasy part. But it's the valuation of those contracts going into 2023 are, that are problematic for the entire global system. Okay. So who, that's really the, it's the valuation. Who are the loonies at the top of the food chain that are wanting to do this? If it's not, is it, it's, it's a people above the central There's, bankers or people who own this? Well, I, you know, my nickname is Data Gal, which means if I can't prove it, I don't say it or I'll tell you that it is my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, I don't, you know, I mean, the BIS, which is the central bankers, central bank, and, you know, the Fed or all of the central banks, they are all incestuously interconnected sure. with the IMF yeah. kind of running the show because all of the treasury secretaries, which are unelected officials, as well as central bank chiefs, which are unelected officials, um, are members of the IMF. So... It's in there, but they have to because nobody trusts the guys that are writing the contracts. Don't trust the LIBOR anymore because it was revealed that it was manipulated. It's always been manipulated. It's a stated rate. Yeah. And the one that they're trying to convert us into is supposed to be a market rate, except that there are a lot of bonds that are, that are not part of that. So it's not real. So it doesn't reflect the truth of the risk that people are taking. And when you talk about, well, I have a 30-year fixed mortgage. Can they just reset that? No, but what they can do, going back to 2008, those people, my sister, one of my sisters, she had a 30-year fixed mortgage, yeah. but she ran into trouble in 2008. And so she took one of those loan modifications. Ah, that's where the I fine print is you. too, right? That's where the fine print is, right? Right. I mean... So those loan modifications, and therefore, you need to be prepared to pay off that mortgage like that. Whoa, but that's not a good idea if they're going to give you money for a few percent for 30 years. That's like free money with inflation. Why would you want to pay it off? You might not have any choice. What? They are going to restructure your mortgage, period. Read the documentation. Whoa. You and I do not have any choice about that. We do not have any choice about that, Whoa. right? I'm sorry, but it's just true. So you need to be prepared to pay that mortgage off. And that's where gold comes in. Because when I they see. do a, a revaluation, 
They revalue dollars that have no intrinsic value. They're used in one place and primarily as a tool of barter against gold money that is all intrinsic value because it is used across the entire spectrum of the global economy. Yes, ma'am. I get that. So governments, yeah. I mean, governments have to say, you have to use our currency, right? Sure. But gold doesn't have to say that because there's, there's in the broadest base of utility and the broadest base of demand. So at this point, we should probably talk about why I personally do not own even, I do own silver bullion. Like pre-1964, five coins, you have some of those. For example, oh, I do, yeah. but I also have some uh, American Eagles, and I think the Philharmonics are probably the prettiest. I have some of those. Right. I have some rounds uh, because for me, silver is about barterability, so I want different sizes. And the reason why I'm not concerned about silver bullion is because I do not foresee a confiscation of silver bullion. And in this country, historically, we've seen confiscation three times. Of gold bullion. The last time was in thir mm -hmm. 33. Monetary right. gold, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. But they didn't, that was they the didn't last come time. and snitch your numismatic coins, though, in 33. They created the law, exactly. So personally, I always you, want to be on the side of those that write the laws <laughs> or can influence those that write the laws. Right, right. So are you suggesting that when this thing gets kind of crazy in 23 with this LIBOR thing, which I'm beginning to understand a little bit, that the price yeah, of gold is, yeah, the, is the price of gold is going to go like way up because if it is or no. No. As long as as long as it benefits central banks. Right. You see, a rising gold price is an indication of a failing currency. That's why when you calculated it out at 100,000 an ounce, why isn't it reflecting that? Because then everybody would know the currency is failing. Yes. So it's easy, easy to manipulate through the spot market. I mean, 150 bucks controls 500 ounces of physical gold, which is what? A million bucks right now or something like that just for the notional right? yeah option or whatever they have yeah yeah right and before they changed before i knew how to grab print screen unfortunately <laughs> and uh, i know uh and before they changed the formulas because they never change behavior they just change how they account for that behavior i like that I, like I saw with <laughs> they never oh, change true. behavior. They just change how they say that again. That's a great quote. How they account for that. How behavior. they account for the yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, fact. So I personally saw with my eyes and my calculator for every one ounce of physical gold, yes, one ounce, there were sixty two thousand ounces of derivative gold. Whoa. Now, do you think 2,000 ounces of gold that does not exist could suppress the price from 100,000 to 1,800? Well, yeah. But, so as long as it benefits the government for you not to understand that this currency is failing, well, you know, I mean, we've even had some transitions that were supposed to take place this past year with the accountability or the um, or the amount 
of reserves that banks were supposed to hold yeah. for their gold derivative positions, but everybody was exempt. So the law changed, but everybody got oh, what an was exemption. That law? What was that law, the name of that? Um, oh, the Basel III. Basel III, yeah. And it's not done yet, but the part that went in for the gold so that they couldn't leverage the gold, they had to hold more reserves, but we're going to give you an exempt. Anybody can apply for an exemption. Oh, of course. So everybody got exempt. So I want one of those. I want one. Yeah, exactly. But you're not a bank. You're not going to get it. You're not too big to fail. Man, that's saying this is like Disneyland, boy. The more you understand it, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. So, I mean, it's so it's pretty easy. You have to be kind of brain dead, excuse the expression, not to be bullish on gold and silver. I mean, it's real money because of what these people are up to. I mean, what else? Because this is a currency life cycle issue. And when you stop and you think about it, every single thing has a a life cycle. Hmm. You know, I have a six-year-old granddaughter. I'm telling you, she's at a different part in her life cycle than I am at 67. You think? Right? (laughs) Currencies, well, yes, and thank God. (laughs) But I wouldn't want to go back, but I do want to create a future for her. Right. That's so all my kids, my grandkids, I mean, everybody's kids and grandkids, I want to create a future for her that where one where she has choices, because what does the World Economic Forum say? You will own nothing and you will be happy. You're going to be happy. And I got Yeah. And I got news for you. That sounds to me like feudal law where you just were serfs and you worked the land for the one overseer. And that is not a future that I want to pass down to my children. This meme, The Great Reset, Lynette Zhang, is it just a meme going through the interweb and made up World Economic Forum and Klaus, or are they really up to something? And can you tell us what it is? What do you think it is? What do you think it is? Okay. I'll tell you, but also I've been talking about the, in 2009, I listened to uh, an interview on Bloomberg, which is subsequently taken down uh, with um, Christine Lagarde. And in that interview, she used the term reset about 28 times a need to reset the global economy. Now, what are you hearing a lot? The new normal. We're going to a new normal. Fed Chair Powell, you listened to him this morning. Didn't he say we were going to take a long time to go to the new normal, right? So what they have in mind for us is definitely where you have the few at the top that hold the wealth. And then the masses, if you own everything, then the you get to dictate how much everything costs to the masses. So what they have in mind for us is a reset of a currency into a digital CBDC, central bank digital currency, that they have full control over. Because we've been transitioning. I mean, okay, here's a dollar bill, right? First, we started with gold. And by the way, this is why you can barely see it. That's how little it is. This was $1. This is an ounce of silver. That was $1. And this was $1. Now, when you held either one of these, they were outside the system. And if you did not, especially with gold, if you did not like what governments were doing, you simply went to the bank and you converted this 
into this and it created restrictions around governments could do. And it was completely private and guess what? It still is completely private as long as you hold it in your possession, which I'm a huge proponent of. Now, but it's, this, uh, let me interrupt one second. It's only private sure. with numismatics, not with bullion. It depends on how you hold it. Okay. Okay. Honestly, oh. if you hold it inside of an IRA, not private. If you hold it in your house, private. Really, okay, I think so they have some kind of like if you go to ITM, it's ITM trading, right? ITM trading. ITM trading, and want to buy a bunch of silver. I mean, you guys, don't you have some kind of uh, government things you have to report that Patrick bought $50 million worth of silver or something like that? No? No. No? Mm -mm. Huh. It's gone, well, it's more reportable right now on the sale of it mm -hmm. and depending upon how many ounces you sell at a time. Right. But at this point, um, we don't have to, and we are very careful about crossing every T, dotting every I. I bet you are. I bet you are. Absolutely stick to the legal letter of the law. Yeah. So, and even the Bank for International Settlements says that gold held at home runs no political risk. Really? Because honestly, yeah, absolutely. Good for them. <laughs> One of the best reports they ever wrote. One of the best reports they ever wrote. They also state... That gold is the only, the only financial asset that runs no counterparty risk. The only this, financial, oh, no counterparty risk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No counterparty risk. This is a Federal Reserve note. A note is a debt instrument. This pays no interest. And so the problem is, Right? We went from this, which is private, in your control, right? Yes, to this, which they control through interest rates, the rate and speed of inflation. But if you hold it in your wallet, it's invisible. Going into the CBDCs, well, now Whoa. it is under their control. And everything you do, everything you do is visible. Yes, ma'am. If you are not spending fast enough, they will simply push you into negative interest rates and you're standing there watching your principal evaporate. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to go out, you're going to buy anything that you can get your hands on to try and hold that value. The central bank digital currency, FedCoin, we know it's coming. They don't know exactly when. So let's talk a bit about that before we do go. This is, um, is, is it going to be a digital currency, kind of like a Bitcoin that the Fed is going to create that's going to be separate from the dollar and the dollar and the Fed coin will run simultaneously until they manage to suck $40 trillion out of the economy? That would take forever. I don't yeah, no. Actually, I find this quite interesting. <laughs> so do I. Since the Fed coin is so, I mean, it's so fat. You can't make this stuff up, <laughs> you know? But they, do you know you have an account, a FedNow account at your bank, or if you're, if you're in a more rural area at the post office or at the credit union? Do I? So they, yes, you do. We all do. Every single one of us does. They set that up with great fanfare for those that are 
you know, Fed watchers. Um, was it last year or the year before? Really? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so that we all have an account directly associated with a Fed. Now this next crisis comes in. Yeah. They push a button and now everybody's got, and they will be dollars because what they want to do is they want to keep things as normal for you as possible. I want to be normal. That's why. <laughs> but if it's a dollar, you're already used to digital intangible money, right? Sure. Wow. You use your debit card, you use your credit card, and especially with the cryptocurrencies, yes, which conveniently magically came out. I don't know. Let's see. When was that? Oh, January 2009. 2009. Yes. Conveniently. Yeah. And Conveniently. And then the QE started in March of 2009. Is this a coincidence? Never seemed like a coincidence to me, but, you know. So you're suggesting, Lynette, that they're going to start uh, divvying up and controlling, try to control people through vaccines or whatever they're going to do, voting cards, who knows, through the telephone, I mean, through the iPhone or, you know, the mobile phone with dollars before the CBDs, central digital... Just no. no, the CBDCs will be the, con yes, they are trying to control us. They're trying to get everybody yeah. vaccinated because obviously that works so well. <laughs> and natural immunity works not at all. No, 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 did with what country was it where they actually put the microchips into the vaccines yeah. for the population? I hate it when that, that happens. You know, uh, was it in Africa somewhere? I don't know. They've kicked yes, them. They kicked them out of Africa. They've already thrown them out of there. Should have thrown them out a so, long time ago. But so, anyway, um, so what about a fellow like Patrick? I'm a libertarian revolutionary. I'm not going to do this Fed coin thing. Will I be able to survive just so I have golden dollars? I'll be good, right? The reason is, is because gold and physical gold and silver is used across the entire global economy, mm -hmm. industry, medicine, art, food, everywhere, the monetary system. So yes, history has proven time and time again that you can always convert physical gold and silver into any currency any good and any service so that's how i'm planning on and and plus we all need to be as independent and self-sufficient as possible and i'm not going down without a fight i'm a revolutionary too you know i care about what happens to my children and my grandchildren sure that's do. so important to me yeah. so it's the whole piece it's food water energy security barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. This is what we all need to be working on. And if you think back to what happened in 2020, I had no problems because I've converted my entire, and I'm in, I'm in set, dead central Phoenix. I mean, I'm in dead central Phoenix. Really? And I converted my entire property after 2008. Yeah. I, I knew it was over then. I, there was no doubt in my mind. So I had been living in a little two-bedroom condo, and I was actually getting ready to retire. So I wanted just a condo. I could lock the door. I could travel. I could do this. I could do that. And then 2008 happened. 
So instead what I did was I turned around and bought a house that was large enough that if I needed my children and my family to come together in one place, that I would have enough space for oh, them. Oh. might not have been super comfortable, but it would have at least been enough space and tore out the lawns and converted my entire property into an urban farm. So when 2020 hit and the grocery store shelves went bare, I was able to really feed a lot of people and also share a lot of toilet paper. I, I openly admit <laughs> that I am a prepper. I think it's the new. I think toilet paper is the new gold. They talk about Bitcoin being the new gold. I think it's toilet paper. Really, just kidding. Oh no, no. If you listen to my earlier work, I don't know why, <laughs> but historically, whenever there is a crisis like that, what? toilet paper becomes a very hot commodity. Oh, I know. Yeah. I think, figure. I think it was, uh, I, I read a story one time, you know, you can get a hundred trillion dollar Zimbabwe note. I've got one of those. They're pretty cool. You got one? hundred trillion? I do, because I'm going to do something on, and, uh, and I do. And exactly, I'm yeah, I've got one of those, and exactly toilet paper is worth more than those things, you know, down in Zimbabwe. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of these, right? These are all currencies that don't exist anymore. Because if a country can monetize, say, this is money, they can also turn around and say, "Poops, no longer money. No, no longer money. You can't do it with gold and silver. So did, did we get to the point about the uh, Fed coin and the dollar existing in tandem? Simultaneously? Simul good word, yes. It, it will for a minute, but if you watch China, you know, China has... They're the furthest along in their experiment with CBDCs. So they gave out CBDCs. And at first they said, well, that can run. I mean, you're basically China's cashless, right? Because sure. as long as you have cash, then, you, then it's hard to go below, although they have a plan for that too. But it's, it's hard to go below um, zero if you, hold, if you hold cash, unless there's a chip in there that allows them to do it, which is what they've talked about. Right. But this would be like cash in the wild because it doesn't have a chip in it. So if you're going to get some cash, which you should, then you want to get it sooner than later because so you don't want the chip. Even if the paper Federal Reserve notes are going to lose value because of inflation, it would be good to have a stash of those puppies for the next few years just to you know, be able to buy stuff. Who knows what's going to go on, right? Yeah. First line of defense because it's the most recognized, there's only a certain amount that you need, but yes, you definitely need to have a certain level of cash, and it should be cash in the wild. In other words, cash that does not have that microchip in there, that which they've talked about. The IMF has done a lot of studies on this. They yeah. know how to do it. Uh, so they will be able to regulate the value. And the interesting thing, which we've all witnessed, they say, these are their words. They're not mine. I may be paraphrasing, but they say that they want all of this to be introduced to the public through the retail population. Retail. Because then there's distance between their policy and when you know about it. So, for example, I do know businesses now that do not accept this dirty cash because of really? the COVID. Ew, oh, it's ooh. so dirty. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Right? I personally do not go to those stores. Right. I've had 
people tell me, oh, but they're just doing it because of this or because that's perception management. That really ties into what the Fed in their documentation has been talking about for a while. They know exactly how to do this. For those stores that do accept cash at some point when there's there will be a cost to deposit as well as a cost to withdraw cash. Oh, good. And what will... Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so what will happen, they anticipate, is when you go to Starbucks to buy a cup of coffee, if you use your debit card or your credit card, it's going to cost you five bucks. If you use cash, it'll cost you six bucks. So hmm. you volunteer to use the cards, the digits, because it's cheaper. So now you have a FedNow account and we go into the next crisis and they're going to stimulate the economy, which should be pretty darn obvious who really got the stimulate, stimulus right. this past couple years. Uh, it's not to everybody, but it should be obvious that it's the corporations that got the stimulus again, um, not the not the public. But then people will eventually, and that's already been happening. I mean, they've been working on getting rid of cash since the 50s. Sure. Yeah. Now we don't have any cash. Yeah. And so now what are you going to do? So um, buy the I read an article yesterday where they're, they are talking about now tying in the uh, voter registration card to a vaccine passport. And so then you know that the central bank digital currency, that's going to be lumped up in there to get you vaxxed and control you more. Um, so are you, are you of the, the vision for Lynette and your clients just to stay out of this matrix totally and just have cash? As and, much as possible. Yeah, have cash oh, and yeah. gold and, and, and that's it. Boom, you're done. And, and, you know, I discovered where my personal hole was because I had plenty of food. But during that time, there were riots near my house. And one night I slept with a gun in my bed. Did you really? And I thought, yeah, I did. And I thought, there's my hole. So I went <laughs> out and it took a while to find the right property, but I secured a, a bug out location okay. where I execute my entire mantra. It's completely off grid. We're, we're working on some of it, but it has most of what I needed. Food, water, energy, right. security, barterability, wealth preservation, community. This shelter. is a great email and we should uh, cover it. This is from Monty. Did I hear your guest say, this is a great question, and it's that banks create the money when I take out my home loan. People don't realize, but that's yes. exactly what happens. Wow. That is exactly that's what happens, That's why mom yes. said marry a banker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom used to say to me, Lynn, don't you think, and this was during the days of Alan Greenspan, right? And she'd say to me, but Lynn, don't you think Alan Greenspan's smarter than you? Don't you think he's smarter? And I'd say to her, Ma, I certainly hope he's smarter because he sure has a whole lot more power. But if he believes the drivel and the lies that are coming out of his mouth, then I got to tell you, no, he's not smarter than I am. And he had a different story before he became part of the Fed. And he has a different story at, since he left the Fed. But uh, so, yeah, marry a banker. I yeah. don't know. So the loans. I was a banker. They do create the money. You, you sign your little... I think, I think they money. even created, I've been told, when you do the application, so it's there when you close the note or something. Maybe. 
Could be. And then and then remember too, because we're on a fractional reserve system, so for every dollar they can actually create ten times that. Right. There you go. You do a three hundred thousand dollar so note. They can do three uh thirty million or whatever. Ten times that. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. Whew. Same thing for credit cards, right? Same thing for yeah. credit cards. Same thing for student loans, car notes. Yeah. All this money is poof into the air when you that when you borrow it. Created. I mean, that's why they want everybody to be loaded up on debt because that's how money is created. And every time new money goes into the system, the money that's already there loses value. Yes. I do believe that desperate governments do desperate things. Mm -hmm. We've seen it over and over and over again. So I believe that there will be an overt confiscation of gold because gold is the primary currency metal. Silver is the secondary currency metal. And, you know, people say, oh, well, they would never do that again. I don't know. There's lots of precedents for them doing that. So for people that say that, I say, I hope you're right, because what they're living on is hopium, right? His, history supports a confiscation. And when you stop and think about it, they have been confiscating your wealth since the day you were born. Yes, ma'am. It's kind of hard for me to imagine that when we get to the end of it, they go, ah, you know, okay, we, we've taken enough of your wealth. We're going to let you hold this. <laughs> I, I just don't see that. Yeah. And I see that the way that it's going to look, and we'll see, I could be right or I could be wrong. This is certainly not within my control. But since they control the spot price, let's just say that spot happens to be at 3000 bucks. Mm-hmm when they decide to do a confiscation. Well, do they want you to fight it? Do they want you to understand what's happening? No. So they'll simply say, and we're going to pay you $4,000 an ounce. Mm -hmm. Most people not really understanding that it's worth a whole lot more than that would go, okay, and they'll do a big sweep of IRAs and depositories because I don't know any of them that would say, oh no, you can't take it government. You can't take it central banks. And then after they get it, that's when they do that reset. So again, mm. if mm. you paid, like there are some people that have paid $8 million for one ounce of gold. Are they turning it in for 4,000 bucks? Oh, you mean I don't a, think very, so. a very, a uh, very, unique, uh, valuable numismatic coins, sure. Right, yeah. but who can afford that, yeah. right? Yeah. The normal person cannot afford $8 million for an ounce of gold. I don't have $8 million but hanging around. That, yeah. so, so, right. But your argument is still similar to 33, that they, whoever they are, will not they, try... The central bank's governments. ...will not try to grab the numismatic coins because... Well, there's something called the eminent domain laws, oh. meaning they can take anything they want, but they have to pay you fair value. Uh -huh. And the collectible coins make up less than 2% of the total gold market. 2%? And any, wow. Yeah, less than, less than. And anybody that can afford $8 million for an ounce of gold is most likely to be somebody that writes the laws, like Treasury Secretary Wooden in 33. Mm -hmm. Or 
Look at the lobbyist, somebody that can influence those. Somebody that paid $8 million for an ounce of gold is not turning it in for $4,000. Right. So there is a law that says if you have a St. Gardens that's worth $20,000, there's actual law in the book say that they would have to give you that if they forced you to turn it in? Well, the eminent domain laws. Okay. Just like the bail-in laws, right? Bank is going under. They have the legal right in Dodd-Frank, and though they eliminated a lot of those or reversed a lot of those laws, they didn't reverse the bank bail-in laws. The bank has the right to take your deposits, because it's not really your deposits anyway, it's theirs. And what do they do? They leave you shares of stock in a failing bank in exchange because of eminent domain laws. Zach wants to know, he's in Seattle and he's not sleepless because he's listening. Thanks, Zach. He wants to know, what does your guest think their, in quotes, ultimate goal is with all of this? I mean... Uh, oh, control. Just control. It's really all about control. Just control, right? Just control. It's, it's all about control. I mean, the wealth... You know, the wealth has been transferring to the top for to the elites for a long time. Long time. We can see that. It, yeah. We, but how many jets do you need? I mean, come on. come on. There's only so many jets that you need, so many houses that you need, so much of this. It really is a game, and it really is about total control. No. And I, would, I could argue, I think, uh, that this whole COVID thing the last two years has been to just... Um, get people used to being controlled. Absolutely. Absolutely. Giving up their rights. Giving up their rights. Saving is criminal, right? Yeah. I mean, the the extreme reach of these people, you know, and they are people. They're not gods. They're human beings. And the dehumanizing of those that have chosen not to get a vaccine. I mean, you know, how much little traveling we can do, that's once they put that in place in um, domestic flights. Yeah, it's uncomfortable what's going on. Yeah, I mean, and and the news. I mean, Lynette, I've been in the broadcasting for 50 years, and I've never seen, I've never seen a media, you know, big media picture so Looney Tunes phony ever i've never seen anything like right. this ever seen anything like this wow but you know why don't you well yeah well because yeah they own it all right validation they right, own it all exactly we have the illusion of choice but we don't you go into the grocery store it looks like there are thousands of products but there's only six and most of them are tied to big pharma that own all of that and they own the seeds and they own all of this and that concentration and even in the banking system there used to be thousands of independent banks but now you just have a few of the big ones and the media that's why you you have you know who owns all of the media just a Same handful people. of yeah. people own everything. Same people. I, I, back in the day, I can recall they could uh, only own, I think it was six stations in a city, something like that. Now it's, you know, as many as you can grab, right? Hey, okay, sorry, Hi. not call you. Hey, but can you give us a little uh, rundown on this Black Rock? I mean, up with Vanguard and Black Rock, <laughs> they, they are that it's like, whoa. These people own almost yeah. everything, right? Vanguard and BlackRock? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The concentration of power. And BlackRock's big push came, when was that? Let's see. Oh, 2008. Oh, I'm shocked. Right? So all these, exactly. The system died in 2008. And it's just been put on life support to give people a semblance that, you know, there are choices. But, you know, even inside of the stock market, you just have, what, 15% of the market that's moving up while most of the market is in bear market territory. And it's a concentration. So when you're talking about BlackRock and Vanguard and all those mutual funds that people dutifully put their money in every month or hard-earned money and all of the fees, and it's concentrated. So when there is a stock market route, and look, this is my prediction. I'm either going to be right or I'm going to be wrong. I don't know. But when the stock market really starts to implode, they will turn those printing presses on again. They will drop rates down again because they don't want people to understand what's really happening. There is a huge crisis. We are in the midst of it. This is not something that I'm waiting for. This transition isn't something and the reset isn't something that I'm waiting for. It's something that I'm watching evolve. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So, uh, so do I hear you saying, Ms. Zhang, that you don't really think there's going to be a big route because they just won't let it happen because people just get crazy? Kind of? Well, look, I'm saying that when there is, when the markets speak, Powell is going to have to listen. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be a lot of value lost. I think I we are in the melt up phase of this. And if you want to see the evidence for that, aside from ridiculous markets, then just look at what happened in Venezuela. Between 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, they had the best performing stock market in the world. Wow. But they were also in hyperinflation. Turkey. Turkey is in hyperinflation, and guess what? They had the best performing stock market in the world in 2021. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about um, waiting till interest rates go to 15, just like in 1981, 15%, sell our gold and buy treasuries at, at 15%? <laughs> I mean, you know? Gonna, you, you couldn't get me into a treasury well, for any reason, <laughs> but unless they were really threatening but my a 30-year treasury at 15%, you could go to Belize and, you know, drink a little... Uh, cups with umbrellas in them. I mean, I'm. You know what I'm saying. What you're assuming is oh. that this still has purchasing yeah, power that's value. Yeah, that's true. Too. And what I'm saying <laughs> is it won't. Just okay. like this Vietnamese dong, two hundred thousand. It has. I think I paid uh, seven dollars or something, six dollars and ninety five cents for it or something like that. Two hundred thousand Vietnamese dong. Wow. Yep. Here's a dong. Here's a. 10,000 Central Bank of Islamic Republic of Iran. I want one of no those. Value. I want one of those. I mean, I, I bought a whole bunch of this stuff for like pennies. Now, this is actually really great because this is a $10 gold certificate. Whoa. So, wow. this is way more convenient to hold than this was because gold is heavy. It's a half an ounce, right? Mm-hmm. So, they transition us to this. And then they transition us to this. And would you please look at how close they are? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. 
So it, it is, it's evil genius, it's brilliant. They keep, the, so that's why cryptocurrencies and going digital is so critical to their plan because they're getting us used to it, right? Then when they make that transition, it'll be called the dollar, but it'll be completely different. Wow, and if you think about a federal, Fed coin, that if they can institute it, you talk about in create, creating or expanding the monetary system, I mean, it's even be easier than what they do now. You don't even need debt, right? Oh. You just give, give right. Lynette 5,000 because she's been a good girl on Facebook. I mean. Actually, it's really interesting that you bring that up because to find the justification that, that they will use to create these, the Fed coin or the digital dollar right. or any of those, right. You know, first of all, that data is really buried. So it could be just creating it out of thin air. How much value does it have? But the only thing that I could find yet was that they will still continue to create it from debt. And what that means really? is that in order to go into a new system, they have to burn off all of the debt from the old system. That's why we need to have a hyperinflationary reset. Because your 30-year mortgage that you're talking about with those low interest rates, yes, ma'am. I'm just going to do this easy, so don't worry about the numbers, okay. but just to kind of get the concept of it. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you have a $100,000 mortgage, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not a $100,000 mortgage, and it's a 30-year fixed mortgage, and you feel quite good about that. Yeah. Now, right now, you had $100,000 and you could make your choice. You could pay off your mortgage, right? Or you could buy, what, 100,000, so 50 ounces of gold. Yes, ma'am. Say at like 2,000 something yeah, like that. Right. Remember, I'm not doing the numbers yeah, exactly. I'm just right. making my life easy. Okay, so now I have 50 ounces of gold. When the reset happens, if you take a look at Venezuela, spot gold in terms of the currency went up over, initially, it's higher now, but more than 3,500%. So now you have the gold. In terms of the dollar, it's gone up 3,500, 10,000, whatever that percent is going to be, because this is global, so it'll be way bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And now instead of it taking those 50 ounces of gold to pay it off, yeah. it might only take a quarter of an ounce. I understand, whoa. And yeah. then you still have all that wealth to convert into income producing assets. How about this, Batman or Batgirl? <laughs> Real me this one, Batgirl. So I have a house, I've got- I love all these questions. Yeah, yeah, so I have a house and it's valued, it's, I could get 700000 tomorrow. I don't have a mortgage. I just get a mortgage on this bad boy, take 700000 Federal Reserve notes, and buy $700,000 worth of gold. I mean, who cares what they do to my mortgage? I just give them back the house. Well, you have to make sure that you can give them back the house. Uh, in some states, that's still true. In other states, they change the laws so they can attach any of your assets if you for if they have to foreclose on you right. that was like it was at the turn of the century 
it's hard for me to suggest anybody taking on debt to do anything. Okay. It's just hard for me to suggest that. Everybody's got to do what they are comfortable doing. Right, right. So you just think that's a pretty wild idea? No, I don't think it's a pretty wild idea. <laughs> but timing is the biggest challenge for any technician. So I see these things, and actually, I think probably... You know, it's it's going to get bad in 2023. It's going to get really bad in 2023 mm -hmm. because of this reset. Mm -hmm. But they might be able to hide it. But I think by maybe 2025, 2026, yeah. it'll basically be game over. Wow. And we just don't know the consequences. So it, it would be hard for me. To, that's not the choice that I have personally made. I understand. And if I don't make a choice myself, it, I can't recommend it. Do you think it's telling that people like Elon Musk, oh, just happened to sell $11 billion of his own stock the past three nope. months? Nope. So what does he and know? I don't think it's what telling does he that, know? that Mark Zuckerberg has sold stock every single day for the entire year. Yeah. What do they know? He knows it's severely overvalued. Yeah. Right? There's so, certain patterns that always happen before a crisis and insiders liquidating is definitely one of them, and we are definitely seeing that pattern now. We're talking with Lynette Zhang, IMT Trading. Really been fun talking to you. I've had a good time. I hope you've had half as much fun as I have. Before we go, at the beginning of the show, you alluded in so many words to the idea that Bitcoin, which came out, and I remember when it was a quarter, I actually owned a few oh. of those little guys, and it was 2000, late 2008, so do you think this whole thing is swampy Bitcoin and you don't trust it? I mean, there's so many high-level people that think this look, is just like manna from heaven, baby, and they only got 21 million. That's all they're going to ever print. Bitcoin someday is going to be a million dollars. So why not? This is the argument you're hearing, no. right? I, I, you know, I get it. And people that buy gold have a very similar mentality to people that buy gold. Bitcoin. Yes, ma'am. Because what they're looking for is a decentralized system that is anonymous. And, you know, I I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. But I don't think it was a coincidence the timing <laughs> of when it came out was um, a coincidence myself not. personally. And would you take a look at Wall Street's adoption? I don't understand. You tell me. Adoption. All of these products around Bitcoin. I mean, you're hearing on, on CNBC and Bloomberg News and Main Street Media about cryptocurrencies and blockchains and this and that and the other thing. It's not outside of the system. It's not really invisible. And it's supposed to be immutable. And yet, even just recently, uh, some fat finger charged... A customer a hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin for interest and then they reversed it and that's happened a couple of times and the government there was a theft of a whole bunch of Bitcoin and the government was able to get it back wait a second if this is supposed to be immutable why wasn't it and what's your definition of immutable in this case? Like they cannot reverse it. Oh, they can't reverse it. Right? Yeah. But once the transaction occurs, it's a done deal. Hmm. And that's not really true. Does it, and, we, and we just had two great examples of it. Does it so, matter to you what kind of people or who, how much people, are they own Bitcoin? Like, I don't know, central banks or 
Like Elon Musk is of the world or Bezos. Thanks, do you care? Does it matter to you? Yes, I care. <laughs> yes, I care. Yes, I care. Because I don't think that Jeff Bezos, who is not my favorite person in the world, oh, because come on he was absolute, we can have a whole conversation on how he was allowed to start destroying the middle class. I understand. And that is definitely something that has happened. Yes. You know, he went in and he didn't have to charge taxes and he didn't have to make money. But if you're a mom and pop shop, you have to pay taxes and you have to you have to um, you have to make money or you don't stay in business. Yeah. And so, yes. Do I think I want somebody like either one of those people dictating to me? No, I do not, because they do not have my best interest at heart. Do you believe the whole idea that the. Crypto nerds say that Bitcoin will ever, ever, ever be twenty-one million. I mean, if that's true, well, they that could be because because what you're missing is what the value of this is, right? If this has no value, the last time I looked, ten trillion times zero is still zero. Zimbabwe, Venezuela, you have people that are billionaires, but they can't afford three eggs. I understand. Yeah. So yeah, could Bitcoin go to ten trillion? Yeah, why not? What do you think about El Salvador doing that thing? What did they make it? Did they make it their legal tender or national currency or something? They did, and I think that's an interesting move. Yeah. And I think it's also a test because isn't a currency's value supposed to be stable? Now, according to the Federal Reserve, this value is that stable. It just right. you, it's going to keep going down. Right? If they can keep it at 2%, they still end up with all your wealth. You just don't know it. That's the problem for them. That's why they always, they always um, watch for expectations, inflation expectations, consumer confidence. It's, as you said, this is a con game. <laughs> it's a confidence right? game, right? The confidence game. And the problem is, is that most people, even though it's lost officially. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. 97% of its value, people still thought the dollar could never go away. Well, it didn't when it was here, the gold certificate. Okay, there it is. Again, how close? If you're used to digits, you know, if you're used to digits, then how close does one digit need to be to another? But then they have you by the cojones because right now when they institute policy, it takes 18 months to go through the system before they know if their policy works. In a digital currency, they want you to go out and spend, and you're not spending fast enough. Boom. Deeper negative rates. Boom. And lifetime taxes, Boom. by the way. Boom. Lifetime taxes? Because... Oh, yeah. That's, the government says that's the advantage. For the government, they can do lifetime taxes because they'll know every penny that comes in. They'll be able to dictate every penny that goes out. And if it's in digital form and it's time to pay your taxes, guess what? They can just pull it out of your account. KMF uh, emails for Lynette Zhang. Crypto transactions can't be reversed. Well, and then how come they just were? I don't Several know. Several times. <laughs> they did. They did. So I can't answer that because I'm not an engineer, but I do know the reports that there have been transactions recently that were reversed. Hmm. Well, so I can't answer, I, you know, they cannot be reversed. Well, they just were. Yeah. So I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. 
Well, Ms. Sang, you are just a handful to talk to. It's so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thanks. Tell folks about I your did. company. Uh, give yourself a plug there, what you do, guys do. Absolutely. ITM Trading is a full-service physical gold and silver dealer in any form. And what makes us different really than anybody else is the strategy that I created after studying currency life cycles and the repeatable patterns. So that's what I talk about all the time, what's going on and try and help people see the patterns on our YouTube channel. But we have a strategy that at its basis is the same for everyone. However, Every person's circumstance and goals and everything are different. Mm -hmm. So you always start with your goals and then we help you develop a strategy around them. And you need to have a strategy because they do. And even if you are a big Bitcoin or cryptocurrency fan, uh -huh. I'm not telling you not to be, but, but it hasn't been tested yet. And so be properly diversified. If you hold your wealth in intangible assets, hold physical too. Right. Got to have real money. This is a currency life cycle issue. And I think an interesting question is, and Andrew Goss, my mentor, uh, said this when it first came out, that if this crypto thing was ever a really threat to the dollar, they'd make it go away somehow. Maybe? This is the battle that's happening right now. Is it? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Well, look at look at what's happening in China. Look at with the regulations. So um, it, it is a threat. It is absolutely a threat. And we now have a generation that has grown up with with pure digital. You know, always sure. being on the computer, so they're more uh, they're easier to get to adopt it. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, personally. I would hope that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies overthrow the current regime. But that'd be uh, pretty fun. They ain't going down with it would be real fun. Yeah, it'd be pretty fun. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? 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 If if it did, then guess what? I'll have real money to convert into. That's it. right. You can buy into it if it does. Well, what do you care, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. I think right now the key is to be as safe as possible. Yeah. I really don't care if the stock market goes up or Bitcoin goes up or any of that because I lived in the belly of the beast. I understand the belly of the beast and it's disgusting in there. <laughs> so I'm it's swampy in that. there. Man, it's swampy oh, in there, it's baby. Nasty. It's swampy. In there, okay. Final question, and this is this is an interesting okay. idea from from uh, Francis. I, I love this question. Would you please ask your guest? And I'm gonna I'm gonna spice it up a little bit. If your great great uncle Charlie that you didn't know existed, and he comes out of the woodwork and leaves you twenty million dollars tomorrow, and you get a letter, what would you do with it? immediately without hesitation <laughs> converted into physical gold and silver is that right you wouldn't even go yeah. past go collect a hundred dollars you'd go for it really what about diversification? that's what i do what about diversification so, isn't wouldn't it be cool to have a little coin and or real estate and bitcoin and i don't know well i do own real estate right okay. i yeah. own 
I own this. I don't own any speculative real estate, but you got to have a place to make your last stand. Sure. You got to have a place to generate your food and your security and all those parts. So I do. I own this property and I own my bug out property. Yeah. Um, so I don't really need more at this juncture. You just right? buy gold. Yeah. Yes, buy gold. I just. And, and you should never, personally, I don't think you should ever ask anybody, what would you do That's if? Because right, we're all different. You should ask, what are you doing for yourself? What are you doing for yourself now? Right, exactly. Because we all have our different ideas of where we want to go and what we want to do and who we want to be with, everything, well, right? I could say anything if, if it's just a supposition. Well, sure. if. Okay, well, I would do that. But what I am doing is I convert my wealth into tangibles. When yeah. it comes in, I mean, I pay my bills, I do what I gotta do, I pay my taxes, cause I'm not, I don't wanna fight that battle, no, it's not worth it. No way, Jose. <laughs> not worth it. Um, and, and everything for me is about food, water, energy, security, barterability, which is silver. Yeah. And although anything tangible and any talent you possess is also barterable. Wealth preservation, which is there's different levels. So depending upon when I'm going to convert into income producing assets and then I'm very big on the community, very yeah. big on, on the yeah. community and shelter. That's what I converted into. One of my uh, nice things to say that I believe is true is that these people in government can't tell you, you don't have to do anything that they say except pay your taxes. And stop at a stop sign when you drive because, you know, it's against. And other than that, don't kill people. You'll be fine. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, don't, don't do hurt unto, people. What, what happened to do unto others as you would have right. done to you? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, we mentioned Richard Mayberry, one of my heroes, and he, he coined a thing called the two laws. And I really like this is the two laws are do all you have agreed to do. Hmm? and do not encroach on other persons or their property. Isn't that brilliant? I get goosebumps when I say it. That says it all, baby, oh, right? We're, it there we're, says. You know, do what you agree to do and just don't mess with people and their stuff and you'll be fine, generally. Right. <laughs> and come together in community yeah. and help those that are less fortunate than you and have patience with those that don't understand because what we're really trying to do is help people have a paradigm shift. Yes, ma'am. And that is very hard to do because what you're really asking people to do is is admit that the lies they've been sold to their whole life, that's it's, it. They've been it. sold these lies. Yeah. It's I'm, hard. I mean, so I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Well, you're fun to talk to. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks. Uh, for being here let us know if we can help whenever you want to come back on and tell us some some news that nobody else has you know we'd love to have you on thank you thank you for having me it was fun been been a pleasure lynette sang i t m trading and this is one radio network.com well she's great huh? what i really had a good time talking to her hope you did and please pass on these links to everyone that you care about and uh you can um, uh, look at the videos and BitChute, and we have the uh, the daily where you can go on to uh, Telegram, and all those um, those connected dots are on the front page of One Radio Network, the Telegram and the BitChute. I will see you tomorrow. We're going to talk to another money guy, one of my faves. He's fun, gold, goats, and guns, 
His name is Tom Luongo. He'll be here tomorrow at 11 o'clock. We're having kind of a money week. And I love you all very much. Thank you for being on the show. Appreciate your ongoing support. Let me know if we can help. This is Patrick Timpone. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.